With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango and Jeff Burton from 105.7 The Point and joined for this episode by our buddy from down the hall at 101 ESPN, Mr. Alex Ferrario. What's up, man? Oh, baby, guys. I am pumped. I am ready to join you two for this bad boy. All right, so this third time is truly a charm (laughs) because the first time we were supposed to do this, Alex got sick. Mm -hmm. The second time we were supposed to do this, I got sick. And so now, this is is the magic happening. No viruses, no germs, none of that kind of stuff. I am am contained. I am 100% good to go. Although it doesn't sound that way, but I think it's because I've been talking for like three weeks straight. Oh, you guys over there! My gosh, and and I was going to bring up uh, Stalter. My, I mean, he's is he doing a radiothon? <laughs> right, <laughs> literally lost his voice like twice or yep. something. I mean, what's going? It's, it's what not it, like they can't put songs on. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> we don't get the luxury of that it's what it's what it felt like. Stalter and I kind of overlapped from like the week before Christmas. Bernie went on vacation, and then the Fast Lane guys went on vacation. So it was Stalter filling in on his show, of course, and then I was filling in on the Bernie show. And then Stalter took the week off, and then he came back and got sick. I was getting sick the week before he came back. And, of course, I'm doing blues hockey. So the two people that are on the air, both are losing their voices. Both sound like they're dying. And then it's like we're co-hosting shows together, and it's like, boy, this is just brutal right now. (laughs) And and thanks for going to Thailand, uh, Michelle Small, (laughs) for Christ's sake. And and also, too, once you get that... Once you're in that that realm of things with your voice, when when you've lost your voice or you're losing your voice, yeah. there ain't nothing that's going to help except no. for rest. There was I, I saw on Twitter there was uh, at least one person saying, "Hey Anthony, did you go? Did you know your signal is cutting out? It was his voice cutting." <laughs> oh out. wow, yeah. crazy Poor dude, man. I know, and 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 he had to do the four hour solo, right? So that last hour of his show, because I had done the first two, and then I had to go to blues practice. I heard those last two hours. And like you can hear the voice slowly just, uh, uh, yeah, just yeah. declining, and it's like, bro, you feel so bad oh, for him. And that's the worst, man. Oh, it's because no. we've yeah. been. I mean, we well, we've been there, except for the fact that I don't have to talk for four hours. No, I don't. <laughs> you know why I don't feel sorry for him? I just took the last month and a half off, or whatever it was. Did he ask me to help him out or fill him in? <laughs> Very true. That's actually a really good point. Very true. They could have went to the bullpen for that one. He didn't get a Christmas card because of that. <laughs> you know, you know. I I wanted to like my whole idea with knowing that Alex was going to be in today was going to I was going to be able to watch a game last night, start to finish, and have this really like like dialed in view of the game. Uh, my daughter had a band concert at Melville High School, and so I watched approximately the last. 
four minutes of the game. And then the Saturday game I missed because I was watching the Bills get the shit kicked out of them right. or hand a win back to them. So I missed that one too. So I'm not going to be very helpful on how the Blues have been playing as of late. That's okay. That's okay. Read up because I want to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> you got time. Read up. No, right. but, but honestly, what I would like to start with is – we all know, and the listeners all know, and I think that we share a lot of listeners with ESPN a for lot. this podcast, a lot. So I would like to know, Alex Ferrario is the pre, post, in-between periods host on 101, came with everybody from the, the old station. Mm-hmm. Wh- where were you before all this? St. Louis guy, where'd you go to high school? If not, how'd you get here? All yep. that stuff. Tell us about Alex Ferrario. Born and you bred. You got 45 seconds. 45 <laughs> seconds. I'll try and wrap this up. My life's not very entertaining. <laughs> Born and bred here in St. Louis, of course. I went to Fox High School. Uh, that, uh, kicked the crap out of you in yeah. soccer in high school. But anyway, and we go kicked ahead. the crap out of every, everyone. Beat the hell out of us all the time. <laughs> but in the sports. school that I was going to at the time, Vianney High School, when we kicked the crap out of you, I got kicked out of there. And then another high school. Did you stay at Fox all four I years? Stayed at Fox all four years. <laughs> so, so I have that under there. Yeah. I, won, I won a soccer game. You won, you know, life. So anyway, so well, Fox technically, High I won broadcasting at Fox because I was doing all the play-by-play for oh, games okay. and things like that. But no, that's where I really started to get into broadcasting. And when I was at Fox, um, it's all about who you meet in the business, and both of you know this. So my pastor at the time introduced me to Jeremy Rutherford because he married Jr. and his wife. And so he's like, hey, you like broadcasting? Pastor's married to two people. Uh, yeah, well, Mormon nice kind dumb. of thing. Donnie, so. I'll edit that out. Alex, yeah. this is going to we'll be a thing this during this, 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 this podcast. But, but this it's is why struggle. I love this podcast, <laughs> because I love this. I love it's a struggle. this. struggle. It's a struggle. <laughs> but no, JR, so, so he kind of brought me along with him, let me shadow him at the post-dispatch for one game. And really quick story with that. The first time I shadowed JR, went into the locker room, and he's like, hey, go get some audio from a couple of these players for me. Walked up to a player who I won't name. I'll tell you guys off the air but he totally was just in a real pissy mood because they lost and he turned around and he's like get the f out of here kid i know who it was marty reasoner <laughs> i won't say jamie rivers no i'm just oh! joking <laughs> oh man that would be great if oh, it was it jamie rivers right I, marty reasoner was a prick to me and that's the only reason really? why i said that yeah it was just a one thing he was coming back from an injury or he got injured or something in the locker room i said something like uh you know Something about it hurting, and he said something like, "Yeah, it hurt." Duh, something to that effect. It was just kind of a jerk thing. But well, anyway. and I don't even, I don't even know why this player was. He was just in a really bad mood, and so yeah, he turned around. I'm like, "Oh God, if this is the business I want to get into, I'm out." Yeah. But so the more I did it, so Jr. got me an internship that I did at 590. The internship of 590 led to me meeting Chris Kerber. Got an internship as his booth assistant for two years, and then from that, I got the job at KMOX as a producer, and that led to me being on air as a sports apprentice and Great. hosting shows, and then led me. To here so honestly i mean you guys again know this this business is all about who you know yeah and if it wasn't for jr introducing me to chris kerber i wouldn't be sitting here with you two right now and it's also about once you know people uh not burning those bridges behind you yeah, because there's exactly a, many a good broadcaster that's on the beach right now because they said told somebody to f off or right whatever, you yeah know? i uh it's also amazing too you talk about who you know but also the timing of everything yeah like i don't know if you know if you guys think back on how your career started like I went for an internship the year before I actually got it at the point. And I was so disappointed at the time that I didn't get it. But if I would have gotten it when I did, then Tim Virgin, who was the night jock at that time, wouldn't have been leaving to go to Chicago, which would have which is what eventually opened right. up. You know what I mean? So like the timing and who you know, man. But I also mean, that dude trained you and he's one of the best. Well that certainly that certainly yeah. helped for yeah. sure. And uh, how I got it. Have you ever heard how I got my first radio job? No. It is the luckiest thing, and I'm not kidding, you tell me how it's luckier than this, and this is 100% the truth. 
I moved down to Springfield, Missouri to follow the first Mrs. Burton. Uh-huh. Uh, Mrs. Burton won. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> don't blink or you miss the marriage. But anyway, uh, so I moved down there because I thought, hey, well, that's where she's going. She's got a great ass. And it's easier to get into a uh, broadcast career, radio career in a smaller town. Sure. So I went from St. Louis down to uh, Springfield. And uh, I don't know, a couple weeks after there, I got a job at a pizza place. So I'd have money. And I literally opened the white pages to the K's where all the radio stations are listed. Right? Yeah. And uh, closed my eyes and pointed. And this is- Get out of here. Honest to God truth. (laughs) Closed my eyes and pointed, picked up the phone, called the station that I pointed at. The program director answered because he was the only one in the building because it was about, the building was about the size of this room and I'm not kidding either. And I said, hey man, I was looking to uh, get into radio and try to, you know, learn the business and stuff. And I don't want to be anybody's intern, but if I could just come in and hang out and see. And he was like, yeah, man, if you want to learn, come on in. (laughs) <laughs> and I went in and just hung out, and then like three weeks later, somebody got fired or left or something, and he offered me a position, and I said the F word and the S word on the air, both in my first break, and I'm still in radio. That is unbelievable. Is that crazy? The best story in the world. And that's one of the reasons. Oh, I got so many better ones than that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, (laughs) I I shouldn't have said that that early. But that's one of the reasons, just besides being a good human being, that I always try to help people. Because I know I'm where I'm at. Luck. Yeah. I mean- You know what I'm saying? When when, when I see other media folks, radio folks specifically, that don't want to help. Oh, yeah. That's a real bugaboo to me, man. Because, like, you just see the best guys that have been doing this forever are the nicest guys. Here's a great example. You just talked about Chris Kerber. You just talked about Jeremy Rutherford. The The people that we've worked in the same building as. You know what I'm saying? Mark Close. The Mark Close. Vic the, Porcelli. The Vic Porcelli. Mr. Hewlett. John Hewman. Yeah, yep. man. I mean, uh, Randy Rayleigh. I mean, there's a, here's a great example. Uh, when I was doing afternoons, I w- went over to the KC studio and I was uh, just BSing with John Hewlett because I'm not stupid. Yeah. You go over and you sponge off the guy, <laughs> yeah, right? That's exactly what And we're do. sitting in the in the KC studio. He's nowhere near the mic because he never used to. He'd just sit in the corner and we were just talking about whatever. And uh, he goes, oh, hang on a second. got to intro this new Breaking Benjamin song. It was when the Phobia album came out. Uh-huh. I said, okay. And the first single was probably uh, Breath. Was it Breath? Yeah. Or, or the single Breath. Uh, Casey was playing it. And he goes, hang on a second. I have to intro this new song. I said, okay. And he goes, hey, uh, it's Casey, And here's the new one from Breaking Benjamin. It's called Breathe. Uh, and he just went back. So anyway, and I'm, the whole time I'm going, you just pronounce that song. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, and that was how long ago. And there was no repercussions. You're, right. You know what I mean? You got to learn that stuff. If, whatever yeah. industry you're in, if there's somebody there that's been there five years before you, Go soak them, man. So, so has so Kerber and so Kerber. It feels like has been the mentor, kind of yeah. all all along. Oh, 100 percent. And it's so funny you talk about that uh, because I do the same thing. And I mean, I'm not as established in this. I've only been doing this for about five years. I mean, you guys have been in this longer. But you know, going to Lindenwood University in college, I get so many students reaching out to me, and I'm always so happy to help them because when I was in their shoes. I did what you did, Jeff. I was calling people. I was emailing every single person in St. Louis and Chicago, anywhere in the Midwest that I could talk to. Yeah. And I maybe got like two or three people to respond to me yeah. at the time. And it's like, man, what, what is going on here? But then it's like when you meet JR or when you meet Chris Kerber or, you know, another mentor for me was Mike Claiborne, the Cardinals broadcaster. Oh, great guy, yeah. I mean, I did with Claiborne what you did with Hewlett. You know, I started at KMOX and I was, I was producing Sports Open Line, running the board. And I'm listening to this guy just talk for three hours. And then every break, he's sitting there talking to me. You know, what do you want to do, kid? How are you want to go, or how are you going about this? How are you going to get this? And, I mean, I, I latched on to him immediately. But, like, 
those were the guys that help you along the way. And, I mean, there's so many more to mention. I mean, Tom Ackerman at KMOX was mm. great. He's Steve, been there for 700 years. Yeah, he's been there about as long as I think Jack Buck was there for when he was at yeah. the. But, uh, you know, then the opportunities to get to meet guys like Bob Costas and Randy Carricker down the hallway. You know, the moment that you get to shake their hands, I, I just, you freak out. You know, yeah. and it's like, this, this is why I got into this business, meeting people like this so that I can... I can get the feelings that they're providing to a younger person, and then I can pass that along to somebody Who else. Who did you mention before uh, Bob Costas? It was, uh, was uh, Randy Carricker? No, before that. Who, there was one other person. Sorry, man. I just, uh, it was just like 15 Tom seconds Ackerman? ago. I know. No, I was in there somewhere. Uh, Steve Moore? Steve Moore. Steve that's Moore, yeah, the program no, director. No, I'm kidding. No. Not Steve yeah, Moore. Of course not. Uh, but <laughs> I, I had a great, uh, not running, I had a great experience with Bob Costas uh, to where he was at a place where I was, and he was giving a talk about sports broadcasting. And he was like, hey, anybody want to chat afterwards, just let me know. I was the only person. And he sat on the edge of that uh, teacher's desk and talked to me for probably 30 minutes. Ridiculous. That's, and that's when you see guys do that, when you see people do that, man. I mean, it, it, one, it doesn't happen as much anymore. And can you imagine, guys, and, and Alex, you're only five years into this or whatever, but like trying to get a job in radio now? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, my God. I, yeah. I tell people all the time, it's like, you need to really think about what you're wanting to do if this is where you want to go with it. Yeah. So, so just the idea of not helping is just something that I, I, yeah. I couldn't I almost feel, do. think of it, and you know all the interns that come have come through the Riz Show. Yeah. And so many of them want to be in radio so bad, and they just can't get their foot in the door. I feel bad telling the story of how I got into radio. Yeah, well, well close your eyes. Yeah, but I basically drunk dialed a radio. Station. <laughs> right. I just I just thought of who the other person was. Jack Buck. Jack Buck. Yes, about. of course. My favorite Jack Buck. I only had two instances where I actually got to exchange words with the guy. I was doing a, a charity baseball game at the old Bush Stadium, and right at the end of the game, here comes Jack Buck walking down. The um, uh, seats, you know, you can just, and you open the gate and go out on yeah. the field. I look up and here comes Jack Buck. And he was no spring chicken even then. And he comes out and he walks up to me and goes, how'd you do today, son? As he's signing my point t-shirt. And I said, well, I've played softball for years, but with baseball, you know, it's 90 feet. And, and man, you know, something about I haven't played baseball in so long. And his words to me, and he had no idea who I was. He said, son, as you get older and older, the base paths get further and further away. <laughs> the, the bases get further and further away. I was like, damn, that's so good. That's some sage Jack yeah. Buck shit that you would hope that, that you is, would get. That oh is Jack gosh. Buck Gandhi shit right there. And, and Jack Buck leaned on me at the Ozzie Smith press conference when he said he was retiring because he couldn't hold himself up because he was so upset. Oh, my gosh. Oh, dude. That I is mean, incredible. I mean, you, that's a name, though, man. Yep. That, that, that. Gosh. That means that name means to me as much to me in conjunction with sports as anything else. Oh, yeah. oh you know what? I got another name from the past for you, uh, Ron Jacober. Oh, I produced yeah. his show, Sports on a Sunday his, Morning. His, his son just died yesterday. Yeah, was big it? blues fan. I he gave him. Just, a, he was my first yeah. ever person I sat next to in the, pre, in the press box. What I remember about him is he's one of those people that always moved his feet. Oh, yeah. Like he would start spreading his feet out when the people would skate. So by the time the first period was over, my feet were on top of each <laughs> But what a great guy he was. Oh, phenomenal guy. And, I mean, again, that's another person who I was producing a show with. And every commercial break, it's like, kid, what do you want to do with what you're doing? Yeah. How, you want, how are you going about this? And it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, you just can't believe these legends yeah. are sitting there 
letting you pick their brain with this. And yeah, I gave a shout out to his son, David Jacober, who just passed away. Huge Blues fan. He was up in the press box last year, Ron. Uh, of course, the former Blues broadcaster. Uh, just phenomenal family and just a phenomenal person when it comes to sports in St. Louis. There's a Jeff, Jeff, too, right? Jeff Jacober. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think guys, David okay. was the police officer, the one yeah. that just passed away. So oh, that's, that's really yeah. a shame. Don't you he- feel really weird as a Blues fan? Because before all that got going, you were like, I didn't get to watch a Blues game. As, you know what I'm as saying? As far as what, what, what Like now? you said, Saturday you didn't get yeah. to watch the game, and last right. night the last four minutes. Don't you feel weird or bad because they are so good well, that as a fan, if you don't catch it, you feel bad? Well, it's it's it, here's the thing, and I've told this to you before. Um, when school is in session with my kids, one of the things that like I'm kind of like a stickler about and like kind of like we could get you in trouble is we, we, we have a real, uh, real careful about screen time. All right? Yeah. With devices, with video games, with movies. I mean, shit, they could be on all the time. So I try to be pretty stringent about that. Now, it's not really fair for me to say, you can't watch TV, you can't watch TV, but then have the damn thing on myself. Right. Right. So I really, like, try to balance, like... The, but the, the both worlds, you know what I'm saying? But like, that's why, man, when when the playoffs came around last year and the kids were out of school, I, it was freaking perfect. But I mean, sometimes I just don't get to to watch everything because I'm in dad mode. That's you know? what's yeah. great about having Crohn's disease. I got to go to the bathroom. And I, <laughs> I take my laptop in there and I get a couple yeah. of periods out of the way at least. See, Donnie, you so get Crohn's nice. disease and you're watching well, every Blues game. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. So so. But so, Alex, is your like career goal like? Do you want to be the play by play guy for somebody? You know what's funny? It, it started out that way when I got to Lindenwood, my goal was to be play-by-play. Like, uh-huh. I was calling basketball, football. Hell, I was calling gymnastics. I have no idea what the hell. It's like, oh, yeah, she did a great spin on that turnbuckle. I, like, I don't know what the hell I'm talking is about. This, is this college? This is college, oh, yeah. Okay. Gotta and, be arrested so, like that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I wanted. But you know what? When I actually got into KMOX as a producer, I'm watching these guys do sports open line. I'm watching Tom Ackerman and Kevin Wheeler and Chris Raby do pre- and post-game, and I'm like, damn, I like this. You know, these are the guys that are in the locker room every day. These are the guys that are having these conversations with players, and then you're hosting the pregame show for this game. Everybody who wants information for this game is listening to you. They gotta Mm -hmm. go through you. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? Play-by-play is not an easy thing to get into. I mean, we're talking radio. Play-by-play, I think, is even harder because you gotta start out. I'll give you a hockey example. I had a job offer to work in the East Coast Hockey League in college. And it was, you know, the stepping stone to get to the AHL, which, of course, gets you to the NHL. But you started off making about $10,000 a year which didn't even pay the cost of living. And this was in, like, Virginia. And I'm like, do I really want to do this right now when I'm hosting pre- and post-game for the Cardinals, pre- and post-game for the Blues, and hosting Sports Open Line on KMOX? Your foot's already in in the door. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, this is the stepping stone that I think I need. And so that's where it started to transition for me. Like, you know what? I like play-by-play, but I also like just getting to talk sports. My opinion, I feel like I I like to provide it to people when I – like, that's the best time when you could sit down at a table and talk with buddies about sports. And that's what I like to do. And so I'm like, this is the career I want to go with. Is there Were there shackles taken off you guys when you came from KMOX to here? Like, can you, can you be a little more blue, a little more loosey-goosey? I feel like I'm not. still struggling with that. Like being able to? Being able like to. Like letting yourself go to do yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, example, a uh, game that I, that I was at this year 
Uh, you and I were in this room. They were in the other room. We were listening to the game. Yeah. And uh, something about Steen's shaft getting in the way. Oh, yeah. And they kind of, oh, yeah, don't you hate it when the shaft gets in the Joe way? Joe Vitale loves to talk about player shafts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Last well, year he, it was Shen. He, sure. he should look up Shane Corson. Just saying. <laughs> um, or Jeff Cortnall. But anyway, uh, I almost interviewed Cortnall's penis one time. It was so, no, it was, it was Shane Corson. That actually. close. I would oh. just like to move on to the next topic. That. As far as player penises, you know we're talking go. about hockey players' penises. I mean, I, I'm, I'm cool Look with on the, the show combo. sheet. Look on the show sheet. It I told you it wasn't on here, oh, man. Put, no, <laughs> we did not prep for this. We didn't put shaft on there. Okay, no. good. I was Shane, Shane Corson's penis had more points than Butcher one year. I think I'm not. I don't even. Know I tell you. I tell you what. Not to get time. into the penis conversation with athletes, but that's the first thing that catches you off guard when you go into a locker room. Absolutely. Because I remember covering the Rams game for one of my first times at KMOX, and I walk in and. These guys don't care about towels. They don't care about people. They just turn around and yeah, they're in your house. They show you're, it all. You're in their house. Oh yeah, man. they make you know it. Oh my gosh, we had this question. I'm sorry, I scared. No, that's all right. You did. You we had <laughs> we had this question the other day. Have you been in the urinal stall area and in the locker room at uh, at the enterprise? This Center? was the craziest, like sort of best weird question the, of all time. The for urinal you. stall. Seriously. Yeah, like, like I've I've been uh, down in the locker room in the big area yeah. where there where all the reporters go yeah. and stuff. But where they're doing their business, oh, yeah. is, is it just like a normal bathroom? Yeah, it is. It is, okay. Yeah. It normal is. bathroom. Not that I've been in there before, but as an intern, you have to go get people or grab stuff and not that kind of stuff. <laughs> you got to grab people for stuff. Right. And I've walked in there, and yeah, I'm like, oh, I was expecting like some like ladies' room I, couch and like yeah. futon yes. for you. So no, dude's selling gum and, yeah. and drawer. <laughs> the day's just coming up right. out of the place. Yeah. The, the crazy thing about that question is when you asked me that, the, or when we were talking about that the first time, I was like... Jeff, you just wait. That's actually that's kind really of a good a, question. A I'm sort question. of curious about right. that. What do you think? I only been doing this for five years. <laughs> yes, same bathroom. So bigger stalls. <laughs> so as you as you look at this team, as we're getting close to the All Star game yep. here, and which which is just going to be so phenomenal. It's it's amazing that it's almost here. Alex, what are your thoughts on this team so far? It feels like any sort of consistent negative or, or any kind of negative that just doesn't seem to be very many. These guys are freaking good. And the negatives don't stick yeah. either. It's yeah. not around for a while. Honestly, guys, and I know this may sound like a homer thing to say, but if there was ever a chance for a team to go back-to-back, it's this year with the Blues. Oh, so agree. I, I mean, if you go back, and I've talked to Joe Vitale about this, of course, the former NHLer who's on the broadcast, who played with the Penguins, and he said if you watch the way that the Pittsburgh Penguins won the Cup back-to-back in 15-16, they had the talent, they dealt with injuries, but they avoided long losing streaks in the regular season. The Blues are dealing with injuries right now, but if I would have told both of you that in October you're going to lose Tarasenko, Steen, Blay for a, a long time, you would probably tell me that you're crazy if you think this team's going to be in first place. Yeah, yeah. They've done that, but yet they've avoided long losing streaks. They have one losing streak this season that's three games in regulation. This last one was one overtime, two regulation, which to me isn't as much of a losing streak as a three-game losing streak in regulation. They've avoided those valleys, which is huge in a long season like this. But there's three factors into this that I feel like they have the chance to do. One, you have goaltending that doesn't get phased by anything. Bennington, Allen, they'll come back and win you games, i.e. look at last night's game. Also, your defense is the best defense in the National Hockey League. I don't care what anybody says. They can shut down any pairing when they're healthy. And third, you're still scoring goals with all of these injuries. So when you are back to full health, that's a dangerous team, the most dangerous team in the West. I said uh, Chris Kerber was on the Riz Show this morning, and I said as a 52-year-old 
all 52 years, fan of the Blues, this is really the first time where I can look around the league and go, I'm not scared of any team. Nope. Yeah. Not it, at all. I think the thing to me that, that we've talked about a lot, and I think kind of gets lost in the, in the weeds a little bit, maybe just a little bit, I, the, the Doug Armstrong side of this, oh, yeah. making mm. this work, making the, uh, the, the depth, the, it, it's so reminiscent to me of, of the Cardinals for so long when it was one guy's gone, next man up. Yep. And, and I, I just did not think that it would be able to carry over like this. Obviously, Colorado, a huge threat. For the Blues, who else in the NHL is a uh, is really maybe right in there with the Blues as being the the upper echelon? I'll give you the West, and then I'll give you the East. The West, Colorado's one of them for sure. I think Vegas is going to be a really problem for you, is considering what you did on this weekend. You know that was a little bit of anomaly because you're playing in Vegas, and that was a rough road trip for you. Arizona's the real deal. I don't care what anybody says. Of all, they're young. They haven't won. They got Phil Kessel, who's an issue. They're the real deal if they can stay healthy. The Winnipeg Jets are always a problem, and I know you beat them both times, but when they're on, they're a dangerous team. So those are the four teams I would say are the most concerning to me in the West. Okay. If you want to win the Stanley Cup, though, you're going through one team, Tampa. and it's Washington. Oh, Washington. Duh. Yeah. 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 I, I think Boston's good, but I think Boston's going to hit that fatigue factor as well. I, I think Tampa's starting to turn it on. I mean, they've won eight in a row after that shellacking yeah. they did against Vancouver last night. Nine to two, I think it was. Wow. But I just don't know if they're consistently enough to beat Washington in the East. Guys, Washington is a well-oiled machine right mm-hmm. now. I mean, they're a year removed from that fatigue factor where they won the Stanley Cup, and then of course the year after they didn't, or they got bounced in the first round. They're healthy. They're rested. They have dangerous players in Ovechkin and Oshie and Backstrom, which I don't care what anybody says. Ovechkin's doing the smart thing, missing the All-Star game, because he's going to be ready to go for that second half, and their goaltending holds up. So Washington, if you want to win the Stanley Cup, I'm telling you it's going to be the Capitals and whoever comes out of the West. When I say that I'm not scared of anybody, what I more mean is the important time in a seven-game series. Oh, yeah. and sure. I, They can compete you, with them, no okay. question. Do yeah. you think oh, yeah. it's head-to-head, can the Blues beat Washington in a seven-game series? They can because Washington plays a heavy style, but that's not their full 60-minute game. Their game is finesse. They beat you on the power play. They beat you with their speed, i.e. TJ Oshie, Nicholas Backstrom, their skill of Alex Ovechkin. They got some grinders out Man, there. This thing's ridiculous. I know, but God. the Blues play their best when they eliminate those type of teams. Look mm. at the Boston Bruins last year in the Stanley Cup. Every team that you beat in the finals last year, you beat by playing your style. Yeah. Winnipeg is a heavy team, but you outplayed them. Dallas, a, a finesse team with some heaviness, and you outplayed them. The San Jose Sharks game wasn't even a series because you just annihilated them yeah. every single chance. And even Boston, you shut down that top line, there wasn't anything there for you. So I think that they can compete with Washington, but I think that series, if it were to happen in the Stanley Cup final, will be a perfect um, mirror image of what the series was against the Dallas Stars. That comes down to who gets that last bounce. Yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, I respect th- these athletes' abilities to, to pass on the All Star game like Alexander Ovechkin, yep. I, I I have always been a fan of uh, of him, but it just it feels short sighted for the sport. I feel like there has to be a way that. 
that AI can make or AO can make an appearance or hey, something. Hey, if AI makes an appearance too, I'm all for it. Well, but, but I'm, just, I, I'm not saying that it will, but I just feel like there's got to be something that happens where where you get your big stars yeah. for sure for your biggest game that's going to be oh, on national you know television. I, you know what I think that would be the solution is not even play the damn game, just do all the skill stuff because that's what everybody really right. likes, and I think the players would come in for that because they can show off their skills and not worry about getting hurt, and it's not too much on their body. But I think it's more of the travel. It's more of like, yeah. a, I mean, he probably wants three days off at home in D.C. with the family. Well, probably, right? and this is, we've talked about this on our postgame show a couple of times, and Joe Vitale uh, has said that if they want to make this game more appealing to the superstars, you do it every year in either Miami, somewhere in Florida, or in Vegas. You have to make it appealing to the players mm-hmm. so that because I. E. the NFL. Yeah, because if you're going to have an all-star break, the the main thing on players' minds is I need to rest my body and I want to spend time with my family. And those two things can happen if you go somewhere that's fun for the players and the family to go no, to. So if you do point. an all-star yeah. game in Vegas, if you do an all-star game in Tampa, or if you do an all-star game in San Jose, you're taking your family if you're a player. You're going to go do all of the media sessions. You're going to do the skills competition. You're going to do the all-star game. But in those five to seven days that you have off, you're in California or you're in Vegas or you're in Florida where you're enjoying the time with your family and you are resting your body. But I also think there's something to what you're talking about, Jeff. I think you have to make it more appealing to the players. I think they like the three-on-three. It's more work. But the three-on-three has become a gong show. Like, we're we're miking up the goaltender in a shootout. We're putting guys on headsets in the middle of games. Like, that's not— People wearing costumes. Yeah, it's a joke. If you're going to make this— in entertaining for the players, make it a game. And I'm not saying you go out there and you make this five-on-five five where you're trying to brutalize the other person, but make it a competition for these guys. Because otherwise, what's the point of playing in it? And, and at some point, like, like I'll watch the All-Star game. I'll, start, I'll, I'll watch the whole thing because it's here this year. But, like, last year I remember starting to watch it, and then I just started feeling bad for the goaltenders. Yeah. Yeah. Like, these, <laughs> these bright dudes, man, are on an island. And, like, I, I just... It, it loses, it kind of loses the flair for me, but I don't love all-star games outside of the baseball yeah. all-star game yeah. very But even much, the baseball man. game has lost some of its flair now that they took away that World Series yeah. competition. Yeah. I mean, like... But I also thought that that was stupid. So you're going to so win 120 games in the American League, and because the American League lost the stupid yeah. all-star game, you yeah. don't get home right. field advantage? Oh, Yeah, like yeah. a late-inning oh. home run just screwed you out of home <laughs> yeah. field advantage. Yeah, you're screwed right. at the end of the day. On one more one. real quick thing uh, yeah. before we uh, get done here, and uh, Talking about the All Star Game, Kerber says yes, or he thinks yes. Do you think this Bieber Bennington thing will happen? I do. If, if you don't know what it is, <laughs> I guess Bennington challenged Bieber on social media. If you can score on me, I'll bleach my hair. Blah 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 blah. Bieber came back with saying, "How about a ten thousand dollar donation to each other's thing?" Mm-hmm. Do you think it'll happen? Well, first of all, thank God that they did that because I don't know if Bennington could pull off the bleach hair. He might be able to. <laughs> I don't know if he could pull off that bleach Dude, hair that look. Stoic son of a gun. He could pull off <laughs> oh, whatever yeah. he wanted. He'd be to slim, man. shady style out there. He'd be able to pull that off. I no. think it'd be great if they did it during the skills competition because don't they have a breakaway thing in the skills competition? They do, unless they change. They always change it every year, which How we have no idea. How crazy with. would it be if just without saying anything, up next? Justin Bieber, Justin and he Bieber. comes out there and, and it I would be say like, goes down on Bennington, but it would be the only on time I would ever clap for Justin Bieber for anything. Oh, right? You know what I'm saying? It would I, be the only time that I'd be excited to see the Beavs. Well, the other time that I was excited to see the Beavs was when he was pinned against the board behind Chris Prong. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that stuff was the too. best moment that I think. It, 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 like too. we need to recreate that with Justin Bieber. Uh, I, I think it will happen. 
I don't know if it'll happen at the All-Star game because it was so close together. But, mm-hmm. look, I don't doubt the NHL, and I also don't doubt St. Louis Blues for finding a way to get it done. Yeah. This will happen, though, if it doesn't at the All-Star game. It'll happen at the end of the season, like in the offseason, because there will be an incredible video put together. Because if there's one thing that I know, Bennington sticks to his word. Yeah. And if Bennington put that out there to Justin Bieber, he wants this to happen, and he thinks it would be great. And I think that the charity thing is even cooler to go with it, because we all know this. The Blues do a phenomenal job when it comes to working with other charities. So this is just a way for Bennington to bring more exposure to St. Louis, more exposure to the charities in St. Louis, and it's going to be a hell of a video when they put it out there. I, I am just still, and, and I hate to say this and be this guy all the time, I am still in just such an amazingly happy place with this Blues team. Why not? Like, it is still like walking Swim on a it. cloud. Oh, Swimming <laughs> it, baby. And it's not just this year, guys. I, I'm telling you, even whatever happens with Petrangelo, which we can talk about that in another another podcast. No, this is your only one. This is the only one? Okay. Wow, that was quick. <laughs> it was that, it was We're the, editing most of you it out of this, It was a damn shaft story, wasn't it? You're great, man. You're great. The shaft story. I thought I was fitting in with Jeff, and then now I know where I stand. No, uh, whatever happens with Petrangelo, this window is open for the next three to five years, and it is wide open in the Western Conference. So this is the best time to be a Blues fan because you've seen a Stanley Cup, the first in franchise history, and I would almost guarantee you're going to see at least one more in the next five years for how good this team is put together. There that. You Mark want it. us to edit that out? Mark it. All Dude, right. I just wow. remember. A, I remember a couple years ago. And I don't remember what year it was exactly, but I remember it was a Blues-Blackhawks playoff game. And my son and I were sitting in front of these asshole, just arrogant Blackhawk fans. (laughs) And right now, this warms my heart so much (laughs) that we're so good and they're Mm. so freaking terrible with no end in sight. Right, yeah. And so if the playoffs started tomorrow, where would Chicago be seated? Would they be... Oh, they wouldn't be in it. They'd be well, playing they, golf. They'd be seated yeah. at uh, the last round. We'd be protecting Taves. Would be sitting at home watching the Blues out there winning in another playoff. We'd series. be protecting cab drivers from Patrick Kane. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. I don't feel bad saying that, man. No, I hate anybody team, man. feels bad I'm saying the same that. way. Well, uh, just in the last minute Blues podcast on some niceness. Alex yep. Ferrario, thank you, man. Oh, dude, we appreciate awesome, it very awesome, much. Fellas, awesome, you guys do a phenomenal work with this podcast. I always thank love you. listening fun. it, and uh, I'm I'm pleased to be on here and honored to be on here with both of you. You need before we go. You need to tell him what you texted me the other day. You want the two of us yes. I'm telling you but. so so I want to do a full broadcast of a road game where I have Donnie Fandango and Jeff Burton with me in studio for all of pregame all of the intermissions and all of postgame done I, I want to make it a podcast style yeah. pre and postgame because I really you guys do great work on the Rizzuto show the oh, 101 thanks, ESPN family is so good we need to intertwine this so much more and I think Blues broadcasts would sound so much more entertaining when there's Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Patrico, when we have the group of you guys in there doing pre and post with me. I'd stop, I'd stop with Donnie and I, to be honest with you. Okay, Donnie and Jeff <laughs> in I'd, pre and post. I didn't know where you were going to go with that. I was a little nervous. I told him the only demand is we want an omelet station. Other than that, oh. an I, I know a guy. I know a guy. Cubed ham. Alex Ferrario from 101 Dude, ESPN. Awesome. Thank you, man. Doing yeah. all your blues a pre and post game on the radio. Side, uh, Alex, what's your uh, what's your social handles? Uh, Ferrario one hundred one ESPN. All right, follow him. Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango from one hundred seven The Point. That's the Last Minute Blues podcast. Let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at one hundred seven The Point dot com.